Welcome to The Digital Couch, a podcast by Value First, featuring global thinkers and their stories. Over to your host now. Uh, hello, welcome to another episode of The Digital Couch. Iman, uh, Shori and I are hosting Nitish Bajaj today. Nitish is the CEO of, of Consumer Products Division of Piramal Enterprise. Prior to joining Piramal, Nitish took roles at CA Tires, Reckitt Ben Kaiser, Van Baxi, and Haynes. He holds an MBA from IIM Ahmedabad and an engineering degree from IIT BHU. Welcome to the Digital Couch, Nitish. Thanks, Imanshu. Thanks, Shori. It's really my pleasure to be with all of you. Uh, we love our listeners to get started uh, uh, about your journey. And you have an illustrious career of many decades now in top global brands. If you would like to tell us about your journey so far. Yeah, so I think I have been fortunate uh, if I have to reflect on my life. Uh, the first thing is if I look at the journey of last two and a half decades and more a corporate journey. In fact, I would go before that. In the childhood, I was more a studious kind and one who would spend a lot of time studying. But I think, and I also didn't have a very long-term goal in mind. And that's what I think is uh, unique. So while I have reached possibly to my long-term goal today, I didn't have any aspiration. And in that sense, I'm quite different from the youngsters of today. But what I did always have was a next goal in mind. So when I was in uh, uh, studying, then I knew I have to do engineering. And I started preparing well in time. When I got into engineering, settled into engineering, I knew I had to do MBA. And I started preparing for that well in time. And, And that's how has been the hallmark of my career. I Once I settled into the first set of achievement, let's say, I always formed the next goal in mind. And then I worked towards getting to that. And I think that is also a good way of looking at it because what it keeps you is, one, it keeps you going. Second, you also don't get dissatisfied. Otherwise, what happens is if you start thinking of a very, very long-term goal and and it's my take, which may be different from others, then you always feel I'm still not there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think what has helped me is I always felt I am there and I can aspire for more. So that's, that's been the hallmark of my career, I would say. I, I think that's a good mantra to have that uh, you're there now and, and then you decide the next step instead of thinking about 10 year plan or 20 year plan where you want to be. Yeah. And yes. And a bit about your the companies you worked in. Uh, how did you pick them or how did you to decide you wanted to work for them? Any reason? Sure. So I think, uh, in fact, I didn't know I'll take a career in sales and marketing either. So it really started when I did my engineering. And I know my management trainee stint at Bokaro Steel Plant about uh, 25 years back in 1998. Yeah. And that's when we had one month of induction program where they took us through various tests and case studies, group discussions, and post that they decided that I should be put into a sales and marketing career in a steel authority, a government company. Now, I was an engineer who had done metallurgical engineering. So I went to the HR head and I said, what are you doing to my career? I want to be making steel in a steel plant. That's why I did engineering and you are putting me into sales and marketing. And he said, son, looks like you haven't spoken to your seniors around. Because all the people who are in steel plant, 
they would die to get into sales and marketing you go and ask them then come to me and then he also told me one very important thing which i have carried forward in my life he said job is like an arranged marriage you get yeah. married and then you fall in love with it okay. and i think that is what has been uh, uh, about me i think one i am generally a more happy go lucky person and uh, i have generally fallen in love with whatever i have i have done and it may not always be the case that i have chosen the thing by design sometimes things have fallen and come my way but once i have gotten into anything i have fallen in love with it and i have given my best to it so that's where my sales and marketing career started in steel authority after that i decided i need to do in fact i had decided during engineering only that i'll do mba first time i didn't get clear, i didn't clear it and then i gave it again uh, and two years later which was my second attempt because first after that i took a year break i continued working in sale and then i gave my second attempt for mba and i got through in mba again because i had a sales and marketing career yeah. even though i was very good at maths and i wanted to get into finance but i think companies looked at my career of past and said he is a sales and marketing guy my summers happened to be in lakme liver which was again a marketing company from there heinz happened which was again a marketing company and that's how the career started building up once i got into sales and marketing i think i started loving the field also because i realized that while i am not a natural uh, let's say uh, uh, not a natural uh, marketing uh, personality guy if i would use the word but from a subject matter i found i had a very good flair for it i understood the consumer insights very well i could pick up what my consumers would want my what my teams in sales organization and marketing organization so both people understanding and consumer understanding that helped me really build on my career in the marketing domain so and again if i reflect on once uh, hines of course was the first uh, company which i got after my marketing uh, uh, mba in marketing and uh, finance mix which i took but from hines i had aspirations to get into the next role so i started as a brand manager i wanted to become a group product manager i wanted to handle a brand independently because as a under hines i was still handling it under a a group product manager so i wanted to handle a brand more independently looked for the next role ran back see i got into really build a journey of a company which was getting into otc business for the first time and uh brand was largely built on doctor prescription the role sounded exciting i took the role from there i once i had done a good job on building revital and i revital i remember went on to become the top 10 otc brands in the country yeah revital from yeah. i thought now i need to get into a head of category role and build a category and portfolio of brands why just one brand and then uh, rekit bankiser happened they were really looking to build the otc business in the country and they had a very small portfolio of disprint strepsils two brands primarily but from there we went on to acquire the entire paras set of brands of boo decol ringa discard crack and hence i started handling a large portfolio of brand it gave me very good insights on one of course team management because before that i was still an individual player but once i started handling a portfolio of brand and team under me it gave me good insights on managing team it gave me good insights on managing research media for multiple brands shaping up the long term strategy of a 
company not only in India. In fact, Racket was an exposure which was South Asia. So I looked at markets of Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh also, and did the footprint of how we should build our OTC strategy in these markets just beyond India as well. And from there, I thought now I need to get into a head of marketing role. Racket, of course, was one option within because I was doing quite well. But Racket had a very uh, global-led path and it was a longer path. You had to get into first a global brand marketing manager position, then get into a marketing head of a smaller country. So I thought, let me look at something within India and then see it happen. So I got into marketing, heading the marketing for a very large turnover company uh, and a very different industry also. In yeah. fact, a lot of friends at that point of time told me why having spent so much of time, almost 18 years in a healthcare sector, why are you going into tires? But I thought it's worth taking an ex ex uh, jump because what I'm really going is with set of people who are like-minded. And I had spoken to my boss at C8. He was, he was also from Marico, a very similar organization, and he was happy taking that shift. So I also felt comfortable after having spoken to him. And I haven't regretted that decision even one day. So while I have now come back to healthcare in, in Piramal, but I also think C8 experience, which was very different, actually opened me up significantly to look at organization in totality. And it also gave me a much bigger exposure to digital environment. And I think you can all relate to it, but C8 has done some path-breaking and very different work in the area of digital engagement with consumers and also digital enablement of processes. And all of that has carried me in good stead as I now build Piramal organization, both from people front and also from a digital transformation perspective. Very nice. Yep. In fact, my follow-up question and my first question is on your experience with Sia Tires. My first job was at Indian Premier League. And it's an absolute fanboy moment when I ask you because that very year something was introduced, right? The CA tire strategic timeout. Yeah. And very recently I got to know that it was your brainchild, actually. And I was just, I don't know, I mean, it was a master stroke in easy words. There's no other way to describe it. So I'd love to know your experience and actually how did you come up with a campaign like this? Because something like cricket, there was always these traditional channels, right? Okay, there's an L band mm -hmm. on television, boundary ropes, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And this yeah. was something in which you involved the players as well, because they also got a timeout and the brand yeah. also got such a nice visibility. Yeah. So, so I think first is you need to understand the brand because all these choices are led by what the brand and category you are operating in. So if you look at tires as a category, tires is a very infrequent purchase. You buy it once in three years. Yeah. Also, loyalty with the brands is not very high. But one thing is there, there is always a consideration set, which means people know that I'm going to choose between these set of brands, right? And I call it a banded consideration set because earlier concept was brand consideration, uh, but today I think it's a band consideration. People have a set of brands and people are today open to experiment or choose between these set of brands, right? And for C8, it was extremely important to be in the branded consideration set of the choice of offerings which a consumer will uh, will evaluate when they decide to change the brand. 
Now, to get into that, the brand needs to be salient in the minds of consumers. So when I go to a tire shop and a tire dealer starts showing me the set of options, the brand CH should be one for which consumers should be willing to look at and yes, say yes to yes, I'm willing to hear about it. Because if at that moment, uh, the consumer says, no, I'm not willing to look for C8 and I'm only going to look for any other brand, you lose the consumer. So you need to build the saliency in the minds of consumer and you need to build saliency in the mind of younger consumer because it is eventually you have to build the long-term brand. You have to keep acquiring new younger consumers. So, and cricket, if you look at cricket has always been... Uh, a place where C8 has been there from uh, history. So two points also. Another point which comes in here is consistency. You can't take a field which is not consistent, which is not there for ages. Because if you want to build saliency, you have to build it via being consistent. Because if you keep switching, trying one thing, then trying another thing, then consumer mind space doesn't recall it. So you need to also stay consistent in an area. And cricket was one such area. Now, of course, you're right. In cricket, you can take an L band, but I am not very strong votary of what I call as a passive branding. I strongly believe in the concept of active branding. Now, what does active branding mean? Uh, the brand should be visible both in an audio and video medium. Because if you see a holding, right, it is passive. It is not speaking to you. You are possibly speaking to the holding. Holding is not speaking to you, which means if the message is good and it catches your attention, you are likely to remember it. If the message is not good and it does not catch your attention, you are going to pass by without even remembering having seen a holding. And that's also true for L-bands. Versus that, if you look at a strategic timeout kind of property, it was a very clear uh, property which engages because one commentator speaks. Second, it's a break from a match because I am very actively looking at a match and suddenly a discontinuity comes which says now is a time for a C8 strategic timeout and the banner of C8 comes. So there is no way you can miss the property and that's how the entire concept was envisaged of creating a, a brand impression at the time when a consumer attention is suddenly taken from an active match to a break. And the brand which was really speaking that was likely to be remembered. And that's how we took it. And of course, consistency was there because it's a long-term property. You can have it for years. IPL had already established itself as a religion in the country. And we knew it is there for next many, many years or decades ahead. And hence, if you tie up with a property like that, you will be remembered for that property over the years. And that's how this really came in. I think, yeah. Of course. It was wonderful to see that. Yeah. And, uh, it was wonderful to know. Actually, I never knew till uh, Shoy didn't tell me that it was your brainchild. So it's, it's wonderful to know that. Yeah. And uh, this is something I always remembered the see entire time out. Mm -hmm. So uh, our next question would be on the... So you, you've been part of the FMCG industry for more than two decades now. And you've been yeah. leading like a marketing-led uh, role primarily. But it has been a focus uh, mm -hmm. now that you've transitioned into a CEO role. Uh, how was the transition from a marketing role to a CEO role and, and did you plan for it? Like, like, did you decide, okay, next five years I want to be a CEO now or did it just happen? No, no. So, see, I told you, whenever I used to settle into one achievement, I yeah. used to always set my sights on the next one. Yeah. 
So once I got into a head of marketing role, the natural transition for me was to get into a head of business role. So within one or two years of settling into marketing role, I knew that eventually this is what I have to aspire for. And then you look at the playing field around you. Of course, you can get into a CEO role in the current organization where you are working on, but you also over a period of time understand what is the time frame it will take you because there are current holders of that position. You need to know what is their next career path so that that role opens up, etc. And what other options exist within the group company. But I think I would, rather than focusing on that, I will focus on how did I really uh, prepare myself. And I said, I was really, I have never repented having gone into C8, which was a very different industry. In fact, I strongly believe that's the organization which prepared me for the head of business role. Because there were some very, very good concepts which C8 had. One is, as a head of marketing, I became the top of the senior leader, part of the senior leadership team. Second, C8 has this concept of a ops team meeting, which is an operational team meeting, which happens every month. And it is like a religion meeting where everybody is supposed to be having an undivided attention. Now, many times when you are in meetings like this, when your own function is not being discussed, you can switch off and start doing something else. You can switch off mentally, you can get onto a mobile phone, you can get into your laptop. In which case you don't learn anything and you're also not contributing very effectively to the group dynamics. See it in the organization has a concept that you have to keep your laptops and phone away for that full day. You are there, undivided attention is there in that meeting. Right. So that was one part of getting to know every function, getting to understand how quality teams were, getting to understand how supply chain uh, teams are working, how IT, how exports, international business, all the functions are working. And of course, also making an impression of your own business on the rest of teams. Second is, I think, the entire transformation journey which C8 has done over the last five, six years. There were lot of business enablement projects, not only marketing uh, 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 consumer engagement, but also business enablement projects. So now tire industry is industry where it's a mix of marketing and service. It is not just marketing, right? Because consumers will have some kind of issues, feedbacks for the tires. There's a warranty which you need to honor. And we invested significantly on consumer engagement through the touch points. Now, when you start, uh, building that consumer journey and how do you engage at various touch points with the consumers then you need to also look at how does technology enable you because you can't really do that journey without uh, having an efficient and effective model and today technology allows you to build it much more seamlessly not everything needs to needs to be people-led a lot of it could be also led by uh, processes which are digitally enabled and that's what really uh, what I learned in C8 as an organization so entire uh, claim management process which was IT enabled and I was heading the marketing and service both so I was an integral part of that process entire sales force uh, automation because C8 went on to tie up with the Salesforce globally yeah. and uh, we use their Salesforce analytics system and we not only used it for sales, we used it for sales and customer experience both. Oh, nice. And hence, uh, it was an integral uh, journey for me of uh, getting SF uh, Salesforce uh, 
platform integrated with the function and also with the sales function because the processes were interlinked. Then uh, functions like quality because tire is one area where you have to be extremely demanding from uh, R&D also in terms of innovations and in terms of product delivery. And see, it has done some very good new, new product concepts like a bunch of safe tire. There's also work going on in many other new areas, some of which I can't speak on this forum because they're still in the process. But some innovative concepts are going on. And I was part of all those technology-led projects as well. So there is a learning which happened for me in that place once I was part of the senior leadership team. And I think that really got me going into being ready for the next role. So while I wasn't really learning from uh, the healthcare setup, and I one needs to keep in mind that I spent about six years plus at C8. Yeah. And yet coming back into healthcare setup where you had spent 18 years, but you were away for six years. Yeah. As a CEO, I think my learnings really helped me there because what I learned to manage business there is what really became also important for Piramal to think about because Piramal was also trying to look at this environment is changing in the retail. So the way FMCG companies or healthcare companies are managing today is not likely to remain in the future. There are going to be transformative shifts in the way you manage business. And my experience my knowledge of doing that transformation at c8 yeah. also became a very good speaking point for me to make an impact and hence be considered for that role i think uh, so it, it was good in a way that you moved out from, uh, from the healthcare domain and, and went into something more where you learn yeah. and yeah and, yes. and you enhance your knowledge yes in fact uh, i remember my peers used to tell me and i told you earlier also that when i left healthcare this was a question why are you leaving 18 years of your experience but i have never repented because that experience which i gained at see it complemented and added to my skill set that makes sense yeah. and uh, yeah it's exciting where you are now and yeah salesforce is always interesting also that must have been a big change to get everyone on a crm uh yes. and getting everyone to use it yes no no it's see the biggest challenge in a platform like this is adoption and that's what we have learned I think it is not about thinking of a solution that, of course, is important. And we have learned some of the learnings have come the hard way because we have done the first version, realized this is not good enough. I remember we made the distributor portal and distributor app where distributor can do all invoicing, can manage their claims, etc. And adoption was very poor. And that's when marketing was involved and said, how can you really transform it? So we did a lot of consumer inciting, which means distributor inciting to understand what is working, what are the best practices, what are they looking at? And we brought in the concept of design thinking in our way of working. And these are all the new learnings I have built over that experience. That's why I value it so much. And once we did the design thinking led approach, Today, I know and I speak now with the IT head. He says distributor app of C8 is the best one among the tire industry. Distributors vouch for it and adoption is gone up significantly today. Yeah, design thinking is something we try to do here. Like Salesforce adoption is something me and Shori are, are trying in our company now. Uh, yeah. Shori is leading it. Uh, we just launched it. And even design thinking is something we always try to implement now. But we are still far away. We still have a lot to learn on that piece. Mm. 
right so i think the my own suggestion on that will be as much as you speak to the end user who is supposed to use it yeah that's when you will really come to the best solution if you try to do it from what you need yeah that option will be more and very often as leaders we end up making mistake of being driven by what we need right yeah. now that cannot be successful until the user who is supposed to put the data yeah his needs are being serviced by the solution so yeah. you have to start with that point after that you will see everything else falling in place i think imanshu and i are just smiling while you say this because it's we're feeling this in real time these days that's why yeah a bit uh, so we have also learned hard way sorry so it's not that for us it was an instant realization we have also learned it with a cycle of iteration right no exactly i guess that's that's the only way we'll make it a perfect so called yeah. perfect solution of sorts yeah but during your last answer you spoke about consumer insights right and insights yeah. could be from stakeholders such as business partners or vendors or the end consumer as well which which becomes yeah. so important when you're building the architecture for a brand right eventually so what's been your approach yeah. i mean you spoke about research innovation that's been a part of your role so how have you looked at gathering consumer insights yeah so see i think uh, in a marketing organization you only succeeds if you unearth uh, differentiated consumer insights right so this is very critical and see it if you and i can talk some part of see it again and i know i'm talking more of that organization uh, in see it if you look at tire industry now a tire to a consumer is a tire right you don't really think of tire as a differentiated product consumers don't even know why should i choose what tire should i choose yeah. so and in seat we brought in the first concept of a brand architecture which it's unique because it is not there in the rest of the tire industry so all our tires are based on a value proposition which are again consumer insight led so consumers look from a tire a long life consumer look from a tire a uh, durability which is uh, it shouldn't have problems shouldn't have failures especially in the heavy load truck industry similarly consumers look for a fuel efficiency some evolved ones so we today have a range of products which are superlatively dialed on each of the unique needs so if somebody is really looking at fuel efficiency as a key driver of choice we have a fuel smart tire if somebody is looking at long lasting then we have a mileage if somebody is looking at safety we have a grip now depending on your own needs so if you are into off roading and you need really safety and grip you can take a grip tire versus if you are a commuter who wants to do his daily routine run and i'm really driven by mileage i can take a, a long lasting mileage tire and if you are a, fuel efficiency modern evolved consumer who understand the real savings happen if i save the fuel then you can choose the fuel so the architecture is built based on consumer needs and all of this has come through insighting and many of the competition don't while they have products of this kind they haven't a naming and thinking which is aligned to consumer needs so you may call the same tire as edello or as edelex and the consumer doesn't understand all that so we not only understood what consumers need but we also gave a dimension of that to consumer similarly if i now have to reflect on a jani hair and piramali we didn't have a consumer insighting as a dedicated function so first thing which i did when i came here is to put a dedicated person to 
look at consumer inciting because we have done a lot of new communications we have done a lot of new media campaigns we have launched quite a few new products in the last uh, two years at piramal and all of them are backed by consumer insights which either help us to make an impact from a messaging point of view on the consumers or help us to bring new innovative products which consumers can vouch for uh, or they need let's say from their own uh, requirements uh, so it has been an integral part now i also think it's important in a consumer insighting on how you really go about it and many a times uh, people end up making the mistake of trying to prove their hypothesis and that is one of the biggest pitfalls of insighting if you go with an intent of proving your hypothesis you will always find something which will help you corroborate your hypothesis Yeah, you should yeah. rather go with a very open slate on a consumer insighting and that's an uh, art which i specifically would as a marketing head or as a business head would want every business to spend a very very long time on you shouldn't fall into the pitfall of proving hypothesis because then you will limit your uh, uh, potential yeah. you will only play on to what you believe is right and in some ways it's like a self fulfilling prophecy you have a prophecy and you will go and fulfill it but you won't really gain much of joy so organizations should invest a lot of time in building capability around insighting which means partner with research companies on how to do insightings mm-hmm. and that that also helps you work very differentially from other companies and there are quite a few examples of companies who have done some path breaking advertising work or path breaking brand building work at the core of all of that is a uh, a good quality consumer insighting anisha that makes a lot of sense actually i mean and this is very similar to the example of salesforce also you gave right like if your end user is not going to use it what you want doesn't make sense yeah. right that's also a self fulfilling prophecy if you're trying to serve your own needs <laughs> it's the same pitfall yeah it's uh it's a good insight actually that we have to work more on a consumer insighting I, th- i think that's something we are also learning now and we are spending more time understanding what our consumers want in our platform how can we serve yeah. them better and improve our platform for their needs then just building our platform from what we think is is the best in the world Right. so i i would like to obviously ask a lot has changed since covid uh, uh, came in and the whole pandemic situation and being the ceo yeah. of a large company in the in the healthcare space how did you deal with it uh, what what were the moves you did from work from home the, the digital transformation so what were the steps you took as covid came yeah so i think first is uh, at a senior leadership level we understood what is how is covid going to pan up so we had uh, some sessions with leading organizations who had a global exposure uh, to understand how is covid panning out in china and what does it mean in the long term for business so that understanding being there we realized it is not a short term thing it is going to stay so that was a first realization second realization was that till the time vaccine comes you need to protect your people you need to ensure your business continuity is not impacted so you had to take up proactive steps around the safety of people yeah and also you had to take proactive steps around uh, 
ensuring business runs as usual regularly. So we invested on, of course, being unable, able to work from home. So immediately all the licenses for Zoom and then shifting to Microsoft Teams, all of those licenses were taken in business. Few people who were on desktops, they were immediately uh, put onto laptops. Some people who were into designing and let's say needed heavy, high capacity machines. We also got machines at their home so that they can do the artworks, et cetera, everything at home. They were typically the business continuity initiatives. Also in our CFAs, we had to get them passes, et cetera, because uh, some states brought in the concept of e-pass, et cetera, for people to report to work and those came in. We also had, uh, for I wouldn't call it fortunate because it was done with the design. We had brought in entire retail network we cover onto a, onto a uh, tracking platform. The intent was different. We see we cover about 200,000 uh, plus pharmacies directly. And just to ensure that our quality of coverage is best yeah. and is is being driven and delivered as per norms. We had brought in the entire retail uh, network onto a lat long uh, tracking along with their mobile number. So the way we had done that entire uh, SFA system was that every retailer whom we had, yeah. we had to take his geo lat long at the time standing in the store so that nobody is really doing it yeah. at his home. Yeah. And the validation was linked to an OTP, which comes on the retailer's mobile. Okay. So fortunately for us, that exercise gave us the mobile data of entire retail network we cover. So when the lockdown happened and initially all the salespeople, I said, for some time were working from home for about a month, the first lockdown, yeah. we were able to make sure that we were calling all our retailers on phone. And distributors, because they were in the essential services, they were allowed to send their delivery vehicle of pharma goods. So our sales team will take the orders on phone and our distributor will service them. Our business continuity was established. For the safety of our own people, we brought in what we call as an house center. So every manager in the business at the end of day had to report for his team. Yeah. Not only his team, his entire family. Yeah that they are fine and there is no safety event. So, and every day that report was published. So we had a real time visibility of any employee who is even experiencing symptoms, wow. not just positive. We had real time visibility of anybody experiencing any health system. And this nerve center continues even to this state. So we have a daily report which tells us if anybody in the employee or CFA or their families have got impacted. How big is this family now of yours? Like how big is it? It's a pretty large company. So Yes, so our business has about 1300 people directly, right? And we have about 100 uh, CFA uh, people whom we track for. So about 1400 people and their families we track every day. But because the system is left to managers, the managers are supposed to report. What it ensures, it ensures that there is a daily connect between the manager and an employee. So it imp impacts productivity also. But intent wasn't really productivity. Intent was safety. And because intent was in the right place, yeah. the system also matured very, very fast. So that's so our now center really gives us a real-time update. 
then we also had to do work on the side of consumer product thinking because we are in the healthcare so we did have certain products which got negatively impacted uh, especially in the personal care space because consumers were not spending time outside yeah. so we start thinking of covid products and again we had to do that entire product development working from home because as i said corporate teams were largely operating out of home yes they we didn't really start our office in the corporate setup till october last year so from march end till about uh, september end we were all working from home so the entire npd process was brought in to be delivered from home which means everybody would get to see samples on couriers wow. all the plant audits if we are going to a new plant for, as a source of uh, manufacturing they were all done virtually yeah. so all documents so all of that uh, and team i think also picked it up see one more thing we did which we did is we brought in a regular communication so i used to come every month and speak to the team and give an update so we had a ceo communication platform established where we would speak to the team and give update of challenges we are facing because i remember march was a whitewash our business had become half april may was also almost 30 40% down on the business right and we were not in a good space in the first 3 months of covid but we had started putting in this regular communication need to get back how teams can help us get back how agility of teams will drive our recovery faster and we launched some new products within a record time of 2 months even something in 45 days and our typical npd cycle is 6 months upwards okay so we established some big uh, new products within 2 or 3 months of covid hitting us and these products were sold on e-commerce primarily and they really took off okay. and by july we had started seeing business back to regular and from sept- august september we had started experiencing growth and by the end of year we were back to a 20% plus growth on wow. a full year basis on business so with a minus 30 minus 40 in the first quarter yeah. to a plus 20 by the end of year i think yeah. team did wonderful job uh, to really drive the transformation so uh, what products were these which you launched if i yeah yes, so we launched a disinfectant spray there is a brand called tractive disinfectant spray we launched disinfectant wipes sanitizers we also launched but of course the entire world launched sanitizers okay, so right. okay. sanitizer wasn't differentiated but a disinfectant spray yeah we were among the top 3 brands always along with detol lifeboy and uh, savlon we were the ones who were really preferred for their choice and then disinfectant wipes we were the first ones to launch wow okay so so those products really took off and especially on e-commerce so uh, this new normal now with covid being there how do you see this going uh, for the business if you see the hybrid model working from home and office or or you want everyone to be back in office now yes so it's a very difficult question to answer i'm sure there is no right or wrong answers here but i I'll, i'll tell you what people are enjoying and what people are missing right so i think uh, what people and organizations are enjoying is agility and it is surprising we wouldn't have thought that speed will improve but we have seen that speed has actually improved in a digital environment because today you don't have to wait for meetings to be organized yeah. right otherwise somebody is traveling to market and you will say cha next week karte hain he is in market now everybody is available at all the times and you can join in virtually from anywhere yeah 
then whatsapp group has become very common for all decision making today we have whatsapp group any critical decision can be put there and you get an instant answer any bottleneck you want to resolve you can instantly resolve it there so agility has improved but at the same time i think the entire engagement has become more functional in nature so the joy of creation when teams would get together and celebrate and we have had so many reasons to celebrate in the last one and a half year because business has been discovering new highs yes. but all of those uh, celebrations we have done only virtually wow. sending a gift hamper but we haven't been able to really get together dance on the floor yeah. right those joys have gone away and in a marketing organization which is really the spirit is about bonding being able yeah. to be with each other that's one thing we all miss so for us we would eventually come back to a uh working where we can work together in an office uh, as an organization but having said that you're right it will be a hybrid model so the joys of being able to organize meetings virtually i think those uh, will continue so tomorrow if you want to decide something fast and somebody is traveling you can set up a meeting even a virtual meeting and make sure the decisions get taken and done so that part we would want to continue so that's how i look at it now of course there is some expectation from doing uh, from employees also to give a partial flexible work from home policy and they, that's the part which we are also as an organization actively thinking about of especially certain roles and functions which can be done remotely yeah. do we even need to do those works sitting in uh, bombay Oh, yeah. can be operated from regional offices where cost of real estate is lower etc all those thinkings are on and organization is evolving a footprint for that yeah because that makes sense right because a lot of people have gone back to their hometown on the same salary yes. they are saving yes. their rent they are saving yes. their uh, uh, mumbai delhi chennai expenses of of living which are more expensive or bangalore yes. so yes. they want to continue doing that because they save a lot more <laughs> yes so so yeah you're right so for people uh, who can work from regional offices we would want them to work from regional offices but also as you said rightly if some functions can fully operate from home we would also would want to consider that but in our business those functions are far fewer which can operate primarily only functions like analytics etc which do the back end work because most of our work is largely front ended to consumer Right. Before I hand so for us, to, I think yeah. a smaller section. Sorry. Okay. No, 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 sorry. No, no, that makes yes, sense. Sir. Yeah, I think in in our case, we are we are a tech platform, we are a tech business. Yes. So I yes. think you're right. We also miss the the celebrations or or the bonding or getting to know someone. Now we have all our onboarding online, so we never see yes. the person we have hired for the longest time. So it's a very yes. very difficult and a very different situation to be in. Yeah, uh, currently, right. and we want to meet people, but we want to give them the freedom to work from anywhere as well. So, yes. yeah, so it's a very uh, it, the balance hasn't come yet, which is the right balance, I think. Over I time, think no. the balance will only come once the virus goes away. Yeah, because yeah. right yeah. now the virus is not really letting us develop an equilibrium. We are in yeah. and out of it. Yeah, and people, and the fear, the fear of the virus is so much right now that people are scared to even travel. Some people are very scared to even go out of their house. still yeah true no i know in fact one of the classic case we had to travel to this plant in indore yeah. and people said we would go on road we don't want to go on airlines because uh, 
if we go on air, we'll have to have a mandatory RT-PCR. Yeah. What if I test negative there? Yeah. I'll be stuck there for 14 days out of my yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. So we would rather go on taxi and come back than go into a flight. Yeah. So those fears are there. You're right. Before I hand over to Shori for a rapid fire, I just wanted to ask, uh, like, uh, now that you have reached uh, this certain height, where do you yourself personally, uh, you, you see yourself growing? And also, what are the, the lessons which have made you reach where you are? So for our viewers to learn from you, what is the mantra which worked for you? Yes, so so I think you're right. And I said right in the beginning that there should always be a next goal yes. in sight. Right. So for my next goal is after this, and I know it's already a position which I had aspired and I only would see from a next goal would be to build a much bigger organization for now. Right. Because while you say that we are large, I personally think we are still a startup organization in the healthcare space. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. And that's the way I look at business. Uh, we are in top 10 today we are not in the top three i would ideally want the business to be in top three and that is the journey we are really unfolding and i'm so very excited today to be here and i see the growth happening that for me the near horizon at this point is really to take it to this height which i uh, would i can say i had created that's the part i would really want to take for now on the path for me immediately now if i have to talk about uh, how do I see my longer journey and what is, let's say, my key uh, reasons for success? I think I, I'll possibly use a marketing jargon here and I'll call it the select O's as I call it. Somebody can call it select zeros, but I'll call it select O's. Yeah. One, of course, is have an objective in mind. You should always have a goal and it is okay to have a short-term goal and not a long-term goal. That's the way I see it and I have been fairly happy with that rather than having a very long-term goal. Second, I would say is you should have an optimism in life. You will always have ups and downs in life, yeah, but yeah. life is never uh, black and white. Life yeah. always has shades of gray and you will always find things to enjoy. Pick up those things which you can enjoy rather than worrying about what you don't enjoy. And many of us youngsters, especially I have seen, fall into that trap of uh, saying that I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. my advice in that scenario will be try to find the positives or else change. Yeah. But don't be in a place where you are not happy. Okay. So and have an optimism around life in general. You will find if you have optimism, you will be able to grow significantly. Then third, I will say is be be on the lookout for opportunity. That's another A. So keep looking out of something which is there in store for either you as a person or as an individual. Yeah. Don't wait for opportunity to come knocking on your door. Go and grab it yourself. Okay. And, and you will always find sometimes we miss certain opportunities in life and we later on repented, I could have done something about it. And yeah. it could be in terms of your ability to launch and do something new in the workplace. It could be finding something new for you outside of the workplace, but both of it. Also finding something uh, at your personal front. Don't be a workaholic. And I have been a wrong person to say that because I have been more of a workaholic than I should be. But I also did discover my own uh, passion at some stage of my uh, life, more around when I had a midlife crisis, let's say. 
and my wife puja would become unhappy when i use the word uh, midlife crisis because she says you have no reasons like that to be from my side <laughs> but you are right at some point in life you start thinking what else so i remember when i took up cycling i just got into it in a big way and i used to cycle almost like 500 600 kilometers oh, so that brings me to the last one yeah. be obsessed about what you do okay. don't just be the minimum guy who does uh, minimum of everything but does good of nothing be obsessed about something which you do so that you can really shine on it and i i can give you this example of cycling when i got into cycling i couldn't even cycle 7 kilometers the first day i went to cycle yeah right but from there on and at the age of 35 it's not the age where people normally take up a new uh, new thing to discover at the age of 35 then i went on to do 600 kilometer non stop cycling i did 500 kilometer in under 23 hours 22 and a half hours oh. so i became from a guy who had no exercise in life possibly to a guy who used to endure torture on his own body i did manali levan cycle wow so so I, so do something which you can uh, whatever you do do it with a sense of obsession then you can really discover the next level so that's all my advice would be to all of you amazing thank you uh, so much uh, sorry thank you yeah yes actually you stole a lot of my rapid fire questions already so i'm, I'm just going to change them on the fly so the rules pretty straightforward and simple i mean four questions will be bounced towards you and you don't get time to think and you just answer them my first question is Do I get time to think, Shori, or I don't get time to think? No, there's no time. I mean, you've anyway not taken any time. Okay. So I'm sure you won't take for these as well. Sure. Uh, so my first question is: uh, You have an opportunity to go on a dinner date with two people, dead or alive. Who will these two people be? Hmm. Okay. So, dead or alive, you are saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I think. Uh, first of course i would uh, like to go with jeff bezos uh, who is alive and uh, i think i am personally very very uh, amazed on the way they have built amazon as an organization and he talks about this day one concept at everything i think that reflects the sense of obsession about your business mm. and that to me is uh, something i also strongly resonate with i mean every day if, at the work if it feels like day one to you you must be really excited about what you bring every day to the business so that's one uh, thing and second would be more at a personal side if i could be back with my mom uh, and spend time with her so that's these are the two people i would really look for being back with super one book you think everyone in the world should read okay <laughs> so i am not really a voracious reader but i think one book which uh, uh, i remember which was uh, jonathan livingstone seagull it's a very small short sweet book mm. but is a good one if you would look but i am personally not a voracious reader so it would be a, a wrong one for me but i personally enjoyed i am not a one who really reads very long books i get uh, very easily i mean anything beyond 300 pages really bothers me and hence i would say this book which i am which is a very small and short, short and sweet book is one you could read from my recommendation so the worst advice you've ever got ah uh, so i remember i this is of course from a personal learning space uh, 
when I got into my career, I got into share trading. Okay, and these were the times, and of course, all of you have seen Harshad Mehta scam now. At my time, there was a KP10 scam, Ketan Parikh 10 scam. And uh, IT stocks were booming at that time. They were really going through the roof. And my so IT stocks were booming at that time. And I remember my boss, he was ex Wipro, and he told me Wipro's result will be bad. And I short sold that share. I didn't have shares, I sold them off and uh, the results were bad. Wipro did declare a bad result, but unfortunately for next five days, the share kept hitting the upper circuit oh. <laughs> every day. And in a single uh, week, I was down by almost two and a half lakh. At that time, my salary used to be 20,000 rupees. So oh. I was two and a half lakh rupees debt in one week's time and I didn't have shares to give. So eventually they had to be bought in auctions at even 20% higher price. Yeah. And I had to square off that money. It took me one and a half years to really square off that money. But that's the way I learned. And that time I decided I'll not go into this area. It's not my core competency. I shouldn't be getting into this. Got it. And if I were to turn the tables and ask you, what was the best advice you've ever got? Yeah, so I think I told you about this one in the beginning itself about fall in love with what you do. Right, and that has been my guiding mantra in life. Mm -hmm. I have not that I have not repented decisions or not made uh, got every uh, or I have got everything right, but if I have gotten into something, I have tried to make good use of it and make best of it. So fall in love with what you do. You don't have to do everything where you love everything. You may not get that kind of environment in life. Life will give you some positives. Life will give you some negatives. But if you fall in love with what you do, I'm sure you'll be able to make a much better joy out of your life. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your answers and truly sure. making that bit fair. Such a pleasure having you on the Digital Couch today. Thank you, Shori. Thanks, Simanshu. Wish you Thank all the you best so and wish the entire team a great year ahead. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We hope you found it useful. Do write to us at the digital couch at vfirst.com for any suggestions. To know more about Value First, visit www.vfirst.com. See you in our next episode. Till then, keep spreading joy.